Welcome. This is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's Dave Tuttle and the Astros' master of banter, Blummer. All right, Tuttle, don't mind me, but I am actually in my own version of the bleachers right now because we have got baseball all day long, and the Astros are currently playing right now. I just saw George Springer go down looking on a shit call on the outside corner. <laughs> How come you don't say that on air? <laughs> oh, man, because i got to be a little more creative on air. I try, I try to say that, but I can't. Hey, Kyle Tucker, RBI base hit right here. We're just going to stay on this podcast the entire time. And everybody will listen to tune in for your broadcast, and this is you. Hey, there's a shit call. Speaking of shit calls, I saw Altuve walk yesterday with uh, yeah. on that call. I was like, I mean, I know he's short, but gee, that ball was right down the middle. You saw Romo look at the umpire like, like I mean, really? dude, he, I know he's 5'7", but he's not 5'2". Gee. I know. That's what's crazy to me is that how some of these strike zones, and I mean, the worst thing for an umpire is to have that K zone up there and every pitch be replayed. I mean, those guys are scrutinized. We've talked about that strike zone forever. I mean, I love the fact that, you know, the human element is involved, and I've always been a proponent as a hitter. And you probably love it as a pitcher when you see guys take pitches with two strikes on the edges because if you keep hitting that spot, eventually the umpires are going to be like, dude, you've got to swing at that. And then you get rung up. And I'm a big proponent of if it's close, you got to attack, man. You can't well, let that thing go by. I agree with you, but the human element piece that we brought up here before that I like is that you get to know these umpires. You get to know what you can do and what you exactly. can't do. And so, you know, Romo was upset yesterday and Altuve was kind of like, hmm, sheepishly walking down to first. But I don't know, you know, on occasion a guy will miss a call and we know that happens. But if you know mm-hmm. the guy's a low, you know, a low strike zone, you better get the ball down. I mean, you're not going to get the call if he, you know, if he never calls it even if it's a strike in your book or the, uh, the K zone says it's a strike, at least you know what this guy's going to call and what he is. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. And uh, let's get right into this show. We've got a great sponsor who is our title sponsor. They have taken over Bleacher Blums and we couldn't be more grateful for them. It is world's strongest man, CBD. You got to follow them on Instagram. I believe they're at uh, WSM CBD. Uh, you can Google it and find out where they are. They just had a big, uh, big post on their Instagram that said, do you know where your CBD is coming from? And it actually had a picture of a beautiful plant on there. But the interesting thing is, oh, just foul you. The interesting thing is, is that they go farm to shelf. That's what they really pride themselves on. They've got a 250 plus acre farm out there in Kentucky and they do everything in-house they trace every uh, every ounce of CBD that goes out there just to make sure that you're getting the purest product out there. Uh, we talked about how they've got the creams. I've been using the creams on my hands because I'm getting back into my golf game and I got to make sure my grip is right. So that's been really good for me. I've been taking the soft gels. And one thing we failed to mention, Tuttle, is you actually mentioned before we got on here, it is a premium CBD product to bring out the elite athlete in everyone. Now, how many times have we heard about CBD and we haven't heard anything about athleticism? This one's specifically for athletes, man. And specifically for this podcast, because I think a lot of our listeners obviously are into <laughs> athletics, yeah. I would hope. I uh, I mentioned, and we talk about this ad nauseum that Tuttle does CrossFit. Yay. I'm doing the Ricky Henderson third person. Um, you know, I, I do CrossFit. We did back squats yesterday. And uh, I'm telling you, I like the cooling gel. That's been yeah. working. 
I, I rub that on my knees. It's a little more effective and um, I, I think than something like icy hot, but it also smells way better. It smells like really minty and it's great. And it's a bonus. I, I love it. it. It is a bonus, man. You don't want to walk around smelling like a medicine cabinet. So uh, I like the smell, but I, f I feel like uh, it's been great on the joints. And then the other thing, I haven't had enough time to necessarily see the results yet, but the tincture and the tablets I just started last week. So we'll keep everybody yeah. informed on that. I mean, I think there is a little time to, um, to see the results and, you know, you need some time to look back and say, Oh yeah, this is benefiting me. But as you said, that, that, that tagline of, you know, bringing out the elite athlete and all of us, man, just plant that seed in my head somewhere. And, uh, <laughs> I'm going to see, I'm going to put it to the test. So, so far so good. And we're really happy as you mentioned to have them as a title sponsor. Yeah. So make sure everybody goes to WSMCBD.com. Check them out. Uh, they've got great products on there. Like Tuttle said, they've got the tinctures, they've got the cream. I'm just glad that I can finally say that I'm doing the cream. You know, and <laughs> before when we were playing, it was so taboo because the clear and the cream were, uh, were bad news, but now we can do the cream and we can get away with it. Uh, and then they also have uh, some of the, some of the salves and dude, I'm with you with the cooling, uh, the cooling cream that they do have. It's really good stuff. WSMCBD.com. Check them out. Get it done. Get on the same train we're on, man, because we are working our tails off and we're feeling good about it now. Uh, What's on Tap is brought to you by St. Arnold. Hey, going to keep it simple. Fantasy football and playoff baseball. A lot of games going on today. We've got eight. I'm watching the Astros who were up one to nothing over Minnesota after taking the first game. We've got National League and American League going. Tuttle, all of that is great but I haven't had a chance to talk to you because I am now officially done with work and kind of taking time for me. But how have you been, man? I've been great. I appreciate you asking. Look at, I brought, I wore my specifically. In my, <laughs> oh, no, you did it. <laughs> Garrett Cole, Garrett freaking Cole, hundo. Oh, he brought man. it yesterday. Hey, it's a playoff baseball shirt. I thought it'd be appropriate. I mean, the, the that, Astro fans are really going to appreciate that. Why? What's wrong with that? He punched because out 13 in that, a playoff man. game. Oh, because he's the... not with the Astros anymore. That's right. I forgot that part. I just I saw Garrett Cole strikes out thirteen Fire. in a playoff game, and I thought, man, the Wouldn't fans be must be jazzed. Team? <laughs> Especially now that Verlander's on the DL. Uh, Granky threw well, as did Maeda, but I just thought Garrett freaking Cole. You know, I wasn't trying to twist the knife a little bit. Come on, yeah. You um, are. hey, you got you get what you pay for, right? Well, we're we're about to find out. You're so, lying, um, dude. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, doing well. Uh, the opposite of you, uh, work picks up for me at the end of the month. So this is like the last day of the sales month. I got a meeting Brian. right after the podcast. I know the fans love to hear about that, like real work, <laughs> but, uh, but I do have my eye on the playoff games. The Astros, as you said, they just took the lead, uh, I believe, right. It's one, nothing in that yep, game. One, nothing. And then the, uh, Reds, uh, Braves are in the seventh inning Freed and uh, Bauer are going head to head at zero, zero. So yeah. I'm trying yeah, to keep an eye. It's not quite like March Madness, but it's enough to be like, like you said, one eye on the TV and one eye on what I'm doing. I'm over here. You know, what's funny is I have not watched an ounce of NBA. <laughs> I, for no, I don't know why. I'm just not intrigued by any of the matchups. Have you been intrigued by any of that? I haven't. You know, it's funny you mention that. That's, that's a really good point. The, Lakers, always... the Lakers are in it, right? <laughs> the Lakers and the Heat are in the finals. And, uh, there you go. I heard a couple of things today about that, but they've done a really good job in the bubble and um, the Stanley yeah. cup playoffs, which I usually watch hockey as well. I didn't watch any hockey and that just finished That's the true. Tampa Bay lightning that. one. And um, the, the coach though was interviewed and I thought it was interesting. He was mentioning how difficult it was to stay in the bubble. 
longer than the other teams. Teams lose, they get out. But they were in the bubble for three months. He missed like kids going back to school and he missed a graduation and he missed a driver's test for one of his daughters. Like it was funny to really, yeah, yeah. You know, world's smallest violin. Yeah. Playing my heart bleeds for you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying we've never missed anything. Right. Right. No. And and I'm not, you know, he, I don't think he was comparing it to the GP, but I mean, he was (laughs) just saying it's difficult. And I think, you know, the, the NBA playoffs just haven't been as intriguing. I don't know what, what the reason is behind that, but, uh, you know, the NFL just seems to always rise to the top. And now yeah. with the playoff baseball, I'm finding that uh, super intriguing. I'm definitely watching that too. So, No, I think it's a great point. Uh, how about the playoffs? With the Astros getting in, they had the sixth seed, but they finished 29-31, and 31, and so did the Milwaukee Brewers. So you had two teams. And this it's actually kind of funny how this worked out because it was almost the Giants, your Giants, getting into the playoffs – but it was kind of interesting that those worries that maybe I had and we had about this whole playoff system actually came to fruition. And there might be a little bit of panic, especially in Oakland, considering that the White Sox are a seven seed who might knock out a two seed. That's one of the, those great fears that you have when you have these big tournaments where you let everybody in. But there's two teams, sub 500. Is there any chance for an upset for Milwaukee, number one, which I, I'm not sure about? But are, do you worry about the upset? Is there such a thing as a Cinderella story that is good for baseball? You know, I don't know. I, I think you asked this question um, a few times because you are not a proponent of this playoff system moving forward, which they've kind of advocated, right? Like next year when it's a 162-game season. And I think that that's, again, that, I mean, I can boil this all back down to analytics versus um, what your eyeballs tell you. And I think from an eyeball scenario, you know, if you're going to win 102 games or 103 games or 105 games in a 162 game season, like the Dodgers do, you deserve a buy and, or you deserve some sort of um, benefit for grinding it out that long. And so, I, I mean, this year is different. We've talked about that. There's an asterisk. So we'll worry about next year, next year. I actually don't think like if the Astros, the twins made the error yesterday in the ninth inning, they've lost 17 playoff games in a row. I don't think there's a there. I don't think there's a. I I don't think if the Astros win, it's an upset. I think what the Astros challenge is now is they have the experience and the playoff know how, and they have better talent. It's just you know they were twenty nine and thirty one with a young pitching staff. If they went to the World Series, aside from the trash can um, haters coming back into the fold, I don't think anybody would be like, oh my god, the Astros. They're not you know. So, I, I it may be different next year. You know to have a sub 500 team in the tournament, but there'll I be think, more game. I, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there'd be more games, but you know, I think this year, I mean, Milwaukee's a, a they're a, they're a well oiled like playoff machine and they, you know, tend to have they two have or three good starters. Too, yeah. So, you know, you got the former MVP and Yelich and you got like a couple good starters and the, the Astros have the same thing with Granky throwing yesterday. Um, and you know, that lineup that nobody wants to face with Correa and, and Bregman. So yeah. I think this year, you know, 29 and 31 is, you know, not great, but I don't think if one of those goes to the NLCS or the ALCS that anybody would be like, Oh my God, this is horrible for yeah. baseball. No, I'm with you. Cause it is a small, it's a smaller sample size. So you really don't know who these guys are. I think after 162 games, yeah. you may have a better idea who those guys are. Uh, but it's also interesting watching the Astros and hearing some of the narrative. Stay tuned for Blum's blast because I have some trash can talk. I know that'll intrigue a lot of fans, both Astro and maybe some outside of Houston. But, uh, you know, every one of the things I heard on the broadcast yesterday was 
how subdued they look. And I can attest to this too, watching them throughout the course of the season, they don't have that same kind of energy or that same kind of joy, but something kind of hit me yesterday. What if, and tell me if I'm an idiot or if this is even plausible, don't tell me I'm an idiot again, but what if once per show, (laughs) basically what if, what if while the Astros are on the field, they're trying their butts off to go out there and win ball games, but they're trying to do it in a very low key manner while underneath when they're in the clubhouse, they're kind of rah, rah, talk some smack, lay it down. Don't put anything on social media. Just keep it in house wrapped up tight and don't let it out. And when you play the game, you go out there and do your job and then they just continue to win. And by the end of this thing, maybe they'll be like, yeah, we told you. Is that a plausible idea that maybe they're just they're, they're doing a very good job of keeping it under, under wraps while they're on the field to disguise how they really feel internally? You know, um, there's a couple thoughts there. I mean, I have a feeling you have some inside knowledge, you know? <laughs> I'm just around. wondering because I'm yeah. watching these guys and there were some subtle moments where you kind of saw like a F yeah, yeah. or, you know, yeah. some of the pictures that you see in the tunnel where – you know, Correa's coming up behind Fromber like, dude, you did a hell of a job, but there was that there was a little more emotion in it. That's the only mm-hmm. thing that really made me think about it were a couple of those pictures. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I know you've been at a distance this year, not hanging out in the clubhouse, but I have a feeling that your ear is to the ground and, and that's certainly plausible. I mean, why would I why would anybody call you an idiot for having some insight and some experience with with regard to that? My my thought is though, from an outside perspective and like looking in and watching teams, the teams there's the COVID element now, right? Um, oh, I man. saw the, I mean, I'm not to bring in the NFL, but the Raiders were getting some critique for um, not wearing masks at some fundraising event that was offsite um, from their, their team oh, okay. kind of function. And people are like, Oh gosh, the Raiders are, you know, da, da, da. but I mean, so these guys are a little cautious about hugging each other and high fiving, and they're trying to keep the, the celebrations at a distance. So you're dealing with that on one end. The other end is I, I think, and you know this, and we've talked about this for playoff teams and championship teams. You can't force chemistry. I mean, you just can't force chemistry. <laughs> and, you know, Fromber Valdez point. and Correa maybe hugging is like, hey, it finally got to the point where Correa is like, I trust this guy. I love this guy. Um, but that Great chemistry point. thing, that chemistry thing is not, you know, not to be trifled with, right? As they say in Princess Bride, it's not to be trifled with. So I just think they probably... I think that that train can get kind of rolling, right? Chugging along. And that might be uh, what you're starting to see is it's like, all right, we're in the playoffs. We're here to stay. You know, we won the game yesterday on that air and like, yeah, we're gaining some momentum. We've been with these guys all year. These are the guys that we're going to go into battle with. And as that thing kind of um, builds momentum, I think you're going to see more of what you said, which is that inner calm, that inner peace and that quiet um, confidence. But I also think that these guys are, you know, it's kind of hard to hide your emotions. So I, I have a feeling like if it's if they're going to continue to win and go forward, then maybe the chemistry will build and we'll see some more of that emotion. So who knows what the reasoning is behind it, but I do feel like, you know, you can't really fake it. And maybe they just don't have the chemistry yet would be kind of my take on it. I actually think that's a great call. I think no. that's a, some actually some brilliant insight into what might actually be going on is it might be something that's building. And one thing we don't talk about in the playoffs is – you know, these guys had bad numbers during the course of the season. When you finally restart the playoffs, you look up there and everything's zero, zero, zero. And again, you're not worried so much about, am I hitting a buck 50 or did I just drive in two runs in the ninth? You know, that's what matters. Did you get the big run? Did you help the team win? So that's where the mentality shifts a little bit. 
and could bring those guys a little bit, you know, galvanize them a little bit more when you go out there and realize that you're going to play for the win, not for the numbers that are going on the back of my baseball card. Um, did you watch it? Did you hear about the A's White Sox series a little bit? Just saying in the American League West. Um, I, you know, I, I, you know, I'm a Tim Anderson fan. I thought the White Sox were the better team, too. and I did. You know, I, I you my did. ears always. Huh? I did. I did too. No, that's oh. a uh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, I mean the the fact that they're a seven seed is weird, but I mean, and then of course Giolito, who started out the year not quite where he finished last year, but you know, I mean, having those guys dominate uh, yesterday, they were two perfect games. Like Snell looked like a Cy Young guy, as did um, yeah. Giolito, and man, I mean, I agree with you. I think this go, goes to division. I think the A's have a good team. We talked about the chemistry; those guys are going to be around for a long time. And being hurt hurts them. Obviously, they got mm-hmm. Jake Lamb off the you know, the scrap heap, which he's a big league player, but it's like, eh, you know, you have Chapman and uh, the first baseman, the the bomber. Um, uh, Olsen. Yeah, Olsen and Chapman are a really nice corner to build around, but I don't think the A's had the pitching. And the A's weren't challenged, right, in the American League West this year. It was kind of like the A's and the Astros. Like, eh, it was a default that they were going to go to the playoffs almost once we finished, you know, 40 <laughs> games. And so it that was. part doesn't help them. The White Sox – I mean, seven seed or not, man, they, they played really Dude. well all year. They were kind of in a tight race, right? Was it with the Twins? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not tight initially, but, I mean, they were battling well, it, it out. tight the between twins. them, the Indians. Yeah, the Twins. Ah, yeah. yeah, Indians too. So, anyway. So, yeah, I, you know, I didn't watch much of the game, but I, I'll go back to pitching and defense, man. If you're going to throw six perfect innings, that's a good start. It is. And the, the crazy thing about the Oakland A's is the White Sox, you're going up against an opponent. And the A's have Lazardo, Manaya, and Mike Miner, all left-handed pitchers. Granted, they pitched great during the season, maybe, but you're facing a team that literally during the regular season was 14-0 against left-handed pitching. Did you expect anything different when you put Lazardo out there? Yeah. So Bassett will go today against them. But I'm with you in the – I love the enthusiasm, the excitement, a little bit of that swag, and the power that uh, the White Sox bring. Speaking of power, how about what the Yankees did to probably the American League Cy Young Award winner and Shane Bieber? I'm surprised, but I'm not shocked. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think we talk about confidence and experience quite often. Shane Bieber had a fantastic year. Um, but, you know, I mean, you and I know Booney as well. Like, I mean, one game, it doesn't really matter. You can beat anybody mm-hmm. and they have confidence and they, they're the Bronx Bombers for that reason. But maybe Bieber <laughs> had a little butterflies and you know, I mean, he gave up a two run homer in the first and then, I mean, he stuck around. It just kind of, they just chipped away at him. So when you look at yeah. the final score or whatever, like 13 to two or what, I can't even remember what the score was, but you know, it was just one of those days where a couple bad pitches and he was behind and they were in trouble. But uh, you know, back to what you said about the White Sox, the left-handed thing, right? That the definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over and expect <laughs> a different result. And like you said, it's not the A's fault for having left-handed starters, but uh but good luck to you winning that series with, you know, one of the hotter teams around as well mm-hmm. as the fact that, uh, that the, uh, that they're a seven seed. I mean, and they only have lefties in their rotation. So yeah, it's crazy, man. Yeah. What about, did you think uh, about the Bronx Bombers? What were your, what were your thoughts about that? Um, I was surprised just cause I thought Bieber was going to come out with a better game plan, but I think some, you know, listening to some of the post game interviews from the Yankees were really good because they kept saying, we had a game plan, he made mistakes, and we didn't miss them. And that's the biggest thing for any hitters. You can't go out there and sit bastard pitch and, you know, go, I'm going to rake the bastard pitch. You know, the bastard pitch has that name because it's a bastard pitch that you're not supposed to hit. 
yeah. you know, it, nasty is nasty. And, and I think as a hitter, we don't train ourselves to hit nasty. You train yourself to hit the mistake or be ready to hit the mistake. And that's what happened with the Yankees. And that's basically what they said post game is we didn't miss the mistakes. And I think that's how you get the timely hitting to go along with your good pitching and good defense is that timely hitting when you go out there and do that. The one stat that jumped uh, off the page for me with Shane Bieber was the first home run he gave, gave up of the year was that home run in the first inning to Aaron Judge. So during the regular season, Shane Bieber didn't give up a home run, man. I didn't know that. I mean, that's that he had a phenomenal year. I mean, we've seen that with yeah. guys, right? You know, the guy that signed with the Phillies that was the Cubs ace for one year um, from Arietta. the Orioles. You know, Arietta, like some of these guys, man, they have like this two-year run where it's like they got it figured out. And I mean, <laughs> there's all kinds of stuff going on. But man, Bieber yeah. this year, you know, you just got to ride that wave. I mean, he he was dominating. But yeah, they kept putting up numbers like six six earned runs is the most earned runs he gave up all year, you know. Five innings is the shortest uh, outing of the year. Um, you know, the home run <laughs> of the first innings, the first time he gave up any runs in the first. I mean, everything oh, yeah, was a first. Oh, yeah. Everything was a first yesterday for Bieber. And, um, you know, I, I think he's probably hoping he gets another shot to uh, to pitch. But uh, you, you nailed it. We said this last time about strengths and weaknesses too, right? Like, do you pitch? Oh, yeah. You know, are you going to pitch to your strength or their weakness? And I think, as you said, as a hitter, why would you go up there looking to hit that curveball or trying to hit, you know, a nasty changeup or split finger or whatever else he throws? You want to go up there looking like, all right, let's try and get ahead in the count. If this thing comes in below my knees, I'm going to take it and hope it's in the dirt or whatever and get into that two, one, three, one count. And then, you know, then you're uh, in a much better spot. Like you said, you swing much freer and much easier and, yeah. you know, they got some confidence. And as you said, sometimes the game plan worked for them. So. They did. So this episode is going to be out uh, by the weekend. And do you have any predictions? I'll go through them one by one real quick and ask you your opinion. Who you think is going to be playing when fans are listening to this podcast starting this weekend with the division series, both in the National League and the American League. But for right now in the American League, wild card, you've got Houston and Minnesota. Right now, Houston's up one to nothing. Who you got winning that series? I'll take Houston uh, for two reasons. Um, one is they have the experience, and two is the Twins have lost 17 playoff games in a row, and Maeda threw five scoreless innings yesterday, and they still couldn't win. So I'll take Houston. That's a great call. I'm with you in the fact that they've won that first one. It kind of gives them a little bit of momentum, but I had no idea. That streak might be in the Twins' head, even, if, even though they're not a part of it maybe because they haven't no, been to the I playoffs agree. in a while. But I think organizationally you're kind of going – Damn, 16-0? and 0? <laughs> All of a we, sudden, it wears on you. When I, was, when I was at Santa Clara, the San Jose State coach, who you know as well, Sam Perraro, um, mm-hmm. John Oldham had never lost to him. We were like 18-0, and 0, and that was way before I even came to Santa Clara University. Guess what? We wanted to keep that streak going. You know, we were like 22-0 oh, yeah. against them. Like, he had never beaten that coach, and we just kept that momentum going. And, and like you said, I mean, it's not a real thing. You weren't there for half of it or more than half of it, <laughs> but it certainly gets in your head. You're like, man, we lost 17 games in a row, huh? You know, some of these yeah. guys weren't even born when they last lost their playoff <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Oh, man. Josh Reddick is – damn, that guy almost played it into a hit. Huh. All right. who? Uh, Oakland, Chicago, White Sox. Well, I know you if you're going to ask me, no, that's fine. But you you answer as well. I mean, I guess you oh, have to I'm take going, the Astros. You, I mean, yeah. I, I, yeah. I did not anticipate saying the Astros, but now that they're up 1-0, I yeah. think the, the chance of them winning one of the next two is extremely high. And Urquidy, the way Urquidy is pitching today, my gosh. And, you know, we forgot to even mention how uh, Fromber Valdez got through what he got through yesterday. 
coming in in relief of Zach Granke. That was miraculous and uh, actually a very good move because the Twins don't hit left-handed pitching very well. Bingo. So I'm I'm going Houston right. in in two or three. Oakland, Chicago, White Sox. Uh, White Sox, just based on what I said before. White Sox have all come up together. They actually remind me of the Astros a couple of years ago, right? After they Bingo. turned the 100. Wow, look at this. I, I'm providing oh. insight that you're giving me the double guns for. I'm, I'm pumped. No, you I, nailed this one. So they, they are all together. You know, they've all come up together. They seem like a really close-knit team. They were all kind of young prospects together, and now they're finally kind of figuring it out together. I just feel like they remind me the most of the Astros when they first turned it around and started winning 100 games. And so – I got to take them. I'm with you on that. And you know what? I talked about it maybe three, four years ago about how the White Sox, great on the draft, good on some of the trades they made. They've got some, and then just sprinkle in a couple of veterans, Dallas Keuchel and uh, Yasmani Grandal behind the plate. They've done a very good job. Uh, you know, it's now it's just up to Rick Renteria to push the right buttons and get the pitching yeah. to do what they need to do. And I think the White Sox, yeah. Uh, Rick Hahn was, uh, so he was, uh, oh, the, yeah. kind of the assistant agent for my agent way back when in oh, the no day kidding. up in Berkeley. Yeah. Or you love Berkeley. So he was, uh, he worked with Jeff Morad, um, way back in the day. And I will tell you what, Rick's a great guy, but a really intelligent, um, you know, kind of forward thinking guy. And I, I don't know if he gets enough credit. He's kind of been, you know, he's been there for a while. I, I mean, I realized they got rid of a Stanford guy to throw in an Ivy league guy, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I know you were there too, but and you know Rick at no, all. No, Rick, Rick, Rick Hahn is good people, and he's worked yeah. hard to get to this point. So, I exactly. mean, if you want to take it to that next level where it's a little yeah. more personal, you are kind of cheering for Rick Hahn to, to yeah. get some of that greatness back. But personally, I don't want him to win anything because I don't want anybody <laughs> to forget about 2005. Ah, all hey, right. Selfishly. <laughs> <laughs> Selfish, completely. Yeah. Tampa Bay and Toronto. Tampa Bay is up one to nothing because their pitching is stupid good. This season, the Tampa Bay Rays, had 12 guys with at least one save. What the hell? Yeah, they brought in another guy yesterday who had zero saves to save the uh, first game. And everyone's like, this guy has no saves. And he was throwing like a 90-mile-an-hour like cutter and something else. I was like, man, who is this guy? So, so yeah, again, I actually looked at somebody else's bracket. And I have not done a lot of research on like the Tampa Bay Rays. But again, yeah. man, flying under the radar. As somebody said this week, the Tennessee Titans finally made the uh, headlines. They're 3-0. and Nope. Mm -hmm. They made the headlines because COVID is now in their facility. <laughs> the Tampa Bay Rays in the American League East with everybody else, right? You got the Red Sox and the Yankees. It's like the Tampa Bay is finally, right, they're in the headlines, but at least for the right reasons. But they're the favorites. I mean, they should be the favorites in the American League with their pitching. And I was yeah. blown away to see that they were the, you know, kind of the front runner coming out. And so I got to take them in the series. I like it. That's actually a really good call. And I think when we get to the way the playoffs are going to work out, where you play the division series five days in a row, go to the world, go to the championship series seven days in a row, you need depth and you need pitching. And I think that's where Tampa Bay really steps up and has a lot of guys that can go deep on them. Uh, the next series, Cleveland and the New York Yankees, I think with the Yankees beating Bieber, that's where you might kind of shade yourself towards the, New York Yankees, but I never really feared the Cleveland Indians as far as an offense is concerned. I think it was more of uh, the pitching. Was Would the pitching be able to uh, suppress the opposing offense? And if Beaver can't do it, I'm not sure anybody can. And, and the one thing that scares me to death is a Yankee lineup that is healthy, confident, and raking. Yeah, I totally agree. I think the uh, – I think – well, you, you brought up a couple of good points. Is my printer – is printing? 
Here we go. Yeah. You got printing out my stats. Now I got to have the, uh, <laughs> I'm going to have the, I'm going to hold on one second. Hot off the press. I'm going to have my, hot off the press. Yeah. The waiver wires right yeah. behind you. Um, no, I, but I agree with you. And, and you know, I guess it's funny. My gut tells me this, and this may not be the case for all of these series, but my gut tells me, I mean, these three game series, it's kind of like after watching the Yankees beat the hottest pitcher in the big leagues yesterday, I mean, how do I choose the Indians to win that series, right? You just can't do it. Yankees. Yeah. Yankees win. Okay, Atlanta. I just saw the score go across. I'm not sure if you've been keeping up with the Cincinnati Reds and the Atlanta Braves. They're playing in Atlanta. They had Freed start for Atlanta and uh, everybody's favorite, Tyler Bauer, going for the Cincinnati Reds. And last I saw, it was scoreless in the eighth inning. So it may turn into a war of bullpens out there. I'm not sure. That's what I have, 0-0. Zero, zero. Yep. yep. So I'm, I want to see – I think Cincinnati is scary because they've got decent pitching. I don't know if they have the offense to overcome it. But uh, Atlanta is one of those – I just like watching Atlanta play. Uh, Freddie Freeman, Marcelo Zuna, yes. Ronald Acuna Jr. are the three guys. When they come up to the plate for whatever reason, I've been stopping and watching their at-bats. They are an absolute blast. And they've been tearing the cover off the baseball. So I'm going Atlanta in that series. What do you got? Um. You know what's funny? It, I, after all these, these were so much easier to, like, hey, they won the first game or they did this and this. It's a 0-0 game in the eighth inning. I haven't watched a pitch. <laughs> um, you know, my gut just tells me the way the Reds went. We were talking about underdogs. Uh, my gut just tells me the Reds, they seem to be pretty cohesive. But I just don't know about their pitching and the depth of their pitching. So, yeah. um, you know what? I'll just – I'll go against the grain, I guess, a little bit. I'll say the Reds in this series. There you go. And you're uh, Braves my, on this one, right? Yeah, I'm going Braves. Yeah, we'll have to go back and or at least write this down or maybe even watch the podcast. <laughs> no, sorry. We're, but, we've, been, we've, we've been the same on all of the picks except for Reds Braves. Yeah. So. All right. Miami and is going to Chicago to play the Cubs. I have no idea about either team other than David Ross is uh, in his first year of managing, taking the team to the playoffs. And Miami, I don't even know if half these guys on the Miami squad we even started the season with Miami because they had 17 guys come down with COVID and all of a sudden they're in the, in the playoffs. So um, if I had to choose, I'm just picking Miami because I hate the Cubs. Um, you hate the Cubs. That's a strong word. Dude, we'll I, love to... beat, I love beating huh. the hell out of the Cubs. There was nothing that gave me more joy than going into Wrigley and beating them. Yeah, well, no, that makes sense. But, I mean, you knew some guys over there. Maybe just you have to say yeah, that. It was, it, was, it was the uniform. It was the Cubs. Yeah. And then, oh, yeah, I played for that other team, the South Side yeah, team. that so has I a lot to Cubs. do with it. Yeah. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I can't go against that, actually. I don't love the Cubs. I, I, David Ross seems like a fine guy. He, he's almost like a, a celebrity, you know, ESPN he celebrity is. and dancing with the stars. Like, And now he's managing a big league team. So, um, you know, I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Miami Marlins because Don Mattingly is a stud. No, I have no idea. <laughs> All right, so we both got Miami in that one. Last series is going to be the sub-500 Milwaukee Brewers going against the Los Angeles Dodgers, a battle of national, ex-National League MVPs in Christian Yelich, Cody Bellinger, who I'll talk about in the trash can series of Blum Bla Blum's Blasts, Dodgers, they've got to be the best, most well-rounded team. The only thing that their entire postseason hinges on, and I agree with everybody that writes in the LA Times, I agree with everybody that writes at the USA Today, Kenley Jansen is the linchpin of that team this season. 
He is, and he's been struggling. I mean, he's not a dominant closer as he once was, and it's a weird thing because we saw like Mariano Rivera be a setup guy for John Wetland back in the day. It would be really interesting to, I mean, I don't know who the back end of their bullpen is, but you see, you know, uh, these guys that are flamethrowers and it would almost be I mean it's too early to do but I think Kenley Jansen would be a better kind of setup guy as an experienced guy in the bullpen and keeping everything right it and bring in the guy that throws a hundred behind him <laughs> because you know he he is that one pitch pitcher with a hard cutter that's not a not a hard cutter anymore <laughs> no so hittable, that thing very that thing flattens out and you know guys are looking for it and it's just not the same pitch so I would agree but I think the Dodgers, the Dodgers are fighting two things. They're fighting Kenley Jansen at the back end of the bullpen, but they're also fighting those demons, baby. Demons are tough. They've won yep. eight American, or sorry, eight National League West crowns in a row. You know, they've got uh, uh, kind of a monkey on their back. Now they're bitter about 2017, feeling like they got cheated <laughs> out of something. I mean, all this stuff kind of weighs on them. And honestly, the team's pretty much the same. I mean, last year they were you know, leaving Clayton Kershaw in for one hit or too long away from like finally getting to the world series, you know, without having to deal with the Astros and that didn't happen. So. Yep. I am with you and we will move on to the last one. Uh, how about uh, St. Louis and San Diego? I'm going San Diego. I just think they're a way better ball club, way more exciting. They don't have Clevenger as of yet. He is not on their wild card roster. Saw that. Um, you know, Clevenger's new to the team. Those young guys, we've talked about the Padres when uh, when we had John Adams on the golf special. I mean, they got Josh Hader Light coming out of the bullpen. That guy with oh, the yeah, hair and right. the lefty. They got, I don't even know the guy's name. I just keep calling him Josh Hader Light. But he's filthy um, as hell. You know when he comes in for sure. <laughs> yeah, he comes in. They've got three or, I don't know, they've got about three guys in the bullpen that look really good and a couple good starters. And they're a hot young team. I, I would agree with you. St. Louis is kind of, um, you know, they didn't limp in, but St. Louis is kind of the little engine that could. They're always kind of around. They always turn. They're not doing anything yeah. exciting. And I think it's definitely the Padres' turn to kind of take it to the next level. I'm with you on that. And uh, What are you looking at over there? What's the score uh, of the Astros Al- game? Oh, it's the bottom, bottom of the fifth, and Marwin Gonzalez got a leadoff base hit. Uh, Altuve almost made a great play. Hmm. That but, would normally uh, exactly. be a good thing. A couple of years ago, yes, Marwin Gonzalez. Now it's like, no. I know, right? Marwin. Yeah, completely no. changed. Yeah, he took the money and ran. Uh, that's going to do it for baseball, dude. How'd you fantasy football team? Just real quick, what do you got? Yeah, so since our big split up, um, you know, I've, I've been struggling a little bit. And uh, last week I took a flyer. I've got Aaron Rodgers as my quarterback, and I decided Gardner Minshew did a good job the week before. So I put him in the starting lineup, and he laid an egg against Cincinnati or against Miami on Thursday night. So yeah, uh, That was supposed to be a really good matchup for him, too. So you can't yeah. really fault yourself for that one. Well, I, I mean, I feel like I'm putting the guys in place to be successful. You know, that's all I can do as a manager, as a skipper, you know, get them out there, get the lineup set. And the, But, uh, yeah, I, it's it's been a little bit of struggle. I mean, Mostert was a guy who was doing well for me. He, he sat out last week. So I will not re- I will not hang my head. It's, a, you know, it's one game. I'm one and two. I know now that you're, you're two and one. So you yeah, finally lost one, which makes me feel better that you're not going to go undefeated without having me as a sidekick. So I got to <laughs> – if I win this week and you lose this week, I'm like, all right, I'm going to feel better about my team. So I, I guess what I'm saying is I'm not very confident. I need you to make me feel better about my, my, my face. Help me help you. <laughs> yeah. How did yeah. you feel about your outcome? I think, oh, I think you brought up last week. I was like second, 
second or third most points in the league last week, and I lost. And you lost. And then this week, I was horrible, and you got in a battle like that where it was kind of a battle. It was like, I just need five more points to beat this guy who's not very good, and I just couldn't get it. So I feel like that's some, you know, that's the nature of fantasy football. Yeah, but I I did lose, but I also, you know, I take some solace in the fact that I got the most points that I could have gotten. It, it, it wasn't enough to win, but at the same time, my bench didn't do anything either. So I didn't have that, you know, that, that, that buyer's that remorse. Where, yeah, he was yeah like, where I was like, damn, <laughs> I should have played him. You know, yeah, I didn't yeah. have the Minshew Rogers issue. I just, I just didn't produce enough. My guys didn't do anything. I think it was Josh Jacobs had a tough matchup in New England. And I think only went for like 56, 57, 71 yards, somewhere in that all purpose, didn't score a touchdown. And uh, it was rough in that sense, but at the same time, I took my loss, one twelve to one hundred eight. It was it was a it was a scraper. It wasn't a barn burner by any means. No. And I'll add something else too. And this is what you know, folks out there, everybody's doing fantasy football. I mean, I I'm not I'm pretty good at paying attention, but Thursday night games throw me off. So I had DJ Chark, who's Minshew's like number one yeah. guy. I had him in both my fantasy football teams. He was out. They took him out. So I ended up playing on my turn. I had soccer practice for my daughter on Thursday night. And I'm like, at 6 p.m., I look at my lineup. And I'm like, he's out. They didn't talk about him all week long. He was locked in on two teams. I actually won the other game, but that was a whole other story. But I just, what? How does that happen? So, again, (laughs) that's faulty management. If you and I had been working together on that team, I don't think that would have happened. So, uh, you know, shame on me. Yeah, that would have sent you that text. But – we're on our own. We're doing all right. Three weeks in, the fact that they're still playing football is great. I believe that Tennessee Titan game, due to COVID, might be played Monday or Tuesday. They yeah. pushed it back. And once these things start to push back and dominate, oh, man, you worry about what's going to happen later on because you're right. The Titans have gotten off to a good start. This may be the wrinkle that kind of ruins it for them. It could be. I was actually thinking of asking you about the fantasy implications for that. I have Ben Roethlisberger as my quarterback. And then do you, when does the waiver wire hit? If they play Tuesday night, you know, oh, man. like, do you win your game and then jump on the waiver wire? Like, I mean, you know, there's a lot of people up in arms. Forget the NFL. This is the people yeah. we're talking about, man. Well, so they shoot, did talk about doing it. Chunky too, man. Yeah. They talked about doing it Monday or Tuesday. So uh, if, if they play every week, you know, like you said, it may mess up their mojo. That's fine. But if they have the, if they actually have to postpone it to like a bye week um, or some of these series that we saw like in uh, with major league yeah. baseball, where you're doing a lot of double headers or you got to play two games in one week, which, you know, in the NFL, that's pretty much impossible, but man, that would be a really interesting uh, wrinkle that COVID yeah. is now put into uh, the NFL season, which, you know, it's affected everything else. Why not? Why not the <laughs> NFL? Right. Yeah, you've got to have at least one COVID issue throughout the course of your league season. And the NFL has got it right here. Uh, bottom of the fifth inning, okay. one out, and Urquidy, I think, is being taken out of the game. I don't know who's coming in. What do you got? Mm. Nothing. I'm just looking for the oh. update. I saw you craning your neck up there. So, oh, Urquidy. you want to go? Why don't we go with uh, Blum's Blast while we're on baseball? So, let's lead into Blum's right. Blast. Let's fire away. Uh, yeah, this would be a good one. Everybody bitching and moaning about the ESPN coverage on my Twitter feed, and I get it and I appreciate the accolades. Trust me, I wish we were doing the playoffs. Uh, the reason I the playoffs you talk about, but I, the reason I wish that more local guys would be involved is because we have so much more knowledge. You know, I know Eduardo Perez very well. I played with him on the same team in 2004, and if you hear him say anything that you think I might say, it's because I've called Eduardo. 
and he asked for information and that's where it gets a little tough. So I want to cut them a little bit of slack right now because you've got two guys doing it from studio. And I think it's uh, Carl Ravitch and Tim Kirchin are in studio in Bristol. And then Eduardo Perez is at his house in Miami. I believe he is. And it's, you know, it, there's such a huge disconnect. They talk over each other. And I think that's why there's that hesitation and maybe that lack of passion because everybody's going, you know, and you can't get your, you can't get your voice out there. So I think give them a, give them a, give them a, cut them a little slack on that. But the fact that we keep talking about the 2017 trash can incident is driving me nuts enough. I don't know if, you know, at this point, it's something that really needs to be talked about. If you feel it's like telling people to vote, we all know to vote. If you're 18 or over, you've been told to vote, vote. I implore you vote, use your right. It's the same thing. If you haven't heard about the trash can, then you're living in a cave and stay in that cave. Everybody knows about the trash can. And the only reason you bring it up is so that you can bash on the Houston Astros instead of that trash can. That being said, the ESPN theory is if they don't bang on the trash can, the Astros don't put up the same numbers they have in the past three years. If that theory holds true, could you please explain to me Christian Yelich hitting 205? After three seasons of 326, or two seasons of 326, 36, and 329, and 44? And can you explain to me Cody Bellinger, 305, 47 home runs, 239, 12 home runs? If, and why in God's name would you choose to compare all of those trash can numbers you think they are to the freaking 2020 season? That this has been one of the like in the top ten of worst major league batting average seasons. Twenty twenty is in it. Yeah, well, first of all, again, we talked about the longevity. I mean, maybe some guys are hot. We talk about Freddie Freeman, you know, being up around the three seventies, you know, late in the season. But for the most part, you know, they're dealing with the family issues and COVID as well, and the uncertainty of life and the bubble. But you know, they're human beings, and and I think we so always so many other things going on. Yes, yeah, so many other things going on. But we talk about pitching and defense, right? The hitters usually need a little more time to catch up, and spring, you know, and spring training is that time to do so. And if you don't get to see live pitching, and you're not um, facing real hitter or sorry, real pitching, the guys that are trying to get you out. I mean, you know, like. And pitchers you know, haven't gotten into that level of fatigue this season where you can get to them, maybe. Exactly. We're not oh. game 100 where it's like, hey, this is my 30th start of the year or my you yeah. know 28th start of the year. So there's a lot of factors for it. But to your point, I mean, so the logic that they're using is so then Yelich and Bellinger and everybody else benefited from the, you know, the trash can, like, you know, I don't from know. From something right? similar? Yeah. Right. I mean, maybe not the trash yeah. can, but something similar? Yeah. Who knows? I mean, what rid the heck, of like man? A, yeah. Anyway, I just think I, it's I idiotic agree. to blame the trash can for the for the woes this season and then not explain why a guy like Yelich or Bellinger or bring in the other, you know, the external issues that you're talking about. The travel mm -hmm. sucks. The pro, the COVID protocol is, you know, something new that they have to deal with. Right. The lack of timing and getting ready, only having 150 to 180 at-bats. Yeah. There's so many other things to blame it on. I mean, if this happens, if it happens next year, it's going to come up again but at least you can say over a 162 game schedule. So right. that's my only thing. That's my blast. Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense, Blum. And I think that's fair enough. So you mentioned yep. the election, you know, telling people to go to vote. So what'll Tuttle say short and sweet, we can banter back and forth. Um, 
Waddle Tuttle say is just simply about the election. And that I read Jeff Schwartz quote, which I thought was tweet. He tweeted out. I mean, I got to get it. It's so funny. Well, I don't know, man. That debate last night left me little to no hope in anything. Here, Well, perfect. That's a good segue right here. Because <laughs> here's Jeff Schwartz. Jeff Schwartz says, let me guess how this debate is scored. People who liked Biden going in believe he won. People, <laughs> people who support Trump going in believe he won but we all lost for watching the shit show. <laughs> That's right. I mean, Jeff, Jeff Schwartz is a winner. Yeah, he's a winner. And, and I will tell you that I, I, I have coffee after CrossFit in the morning. We go to work out at five 30, grab a cup of coffee around six 30 with some guys. One guy's an attorney that I work out with. And he said, you know, he's a military guy, um, you know, did ROTC. And so he still does like service and um, for our country. And he just said, you know, America is still the greatest place in the world, which I, I agree. He said something funny that wasn't very lawyerly, which was just simply, you know, I think it's part of the um, uh, absurdity of America that makes us great. And I thought, wow, that's, a, <laughs> I don't know if that's insightful or just a way to like brush it off, but it is so strange to watch something like that. Like the debate, I refuse to watch it. My brother and I talked about it and we do not want to turn Bleacher Blum's podcast into a political uh, kind of like haven for no, discussion. But, this is a, yeah. but but I just I mean, what in the, the world? Like my mom's seventy seven. I think Joe Biden's seventy seven or seventy eight, and she'll go, "Hey, um, how do I download that podcast again?" I'm like, "No, you already subscribed to it. It should just pop up." Well, I don't have the alerts on. All right, let's go to notifications. Like, you know, and she gets it. She doesn't want to have it explained to her. But these are the people that are vying to run the country, and I'm like. I mean, how did we get if here? they can't figure out how to download a podcast, let alone, you know, <laughs> anyway. So, so that's what'll Tuttle say. I just thought Jeff Swartz nailed it. I don't think a, a, a debate like that's going to sway any, you know, I mean, you and I on this podcast, we talk over each other. Sometimes the ESPN broadcast, they talk, like Donald Trump will not answer a question. And he's yelling at you. Like you would just say, stop, stop. <laughs> like, can we have a conversation? <laughs> Uncle. As Ross Perot said, can I finish? Can I finish? Can I finish? <laughs> right? Oh, people man. in Texas, yeah. people in Texas remember Dana Carvey they know and Ross exactly Perot. That. Can oh. I finish? Can I finish? Can I finish? Anyway. Yeah, at least he was entertaining. Good Lord. Uh, this is not even entertaining. Yeah. It's demoralizing on every level. But yeah. uh yeah, speaking of can I finish, this is it. We are gonna finish <laughs> on that note right there before we get ourselves in any more trouble because that is just a it's a mess of a shit show happening on a daily basis that everybody has their own opinion on. And we hope you have your own. We hope you enjoyed Bleacher Blums. You can find us on the social Nostra network on YouTube. You can also find us on every major platform. As far as the audio podcast is concerned, go to bleacherblums.com, rip us, talk to us, be nice to us, use appropriate language. And we'll talk back with you and oh, anything else before we go, man. I uh, just checked on the Reds game. Reds, Braves, two outs in the ninth inning. It is 0-0 zero, zero still. Iglesias oh, is in pitching, so they got a pitcher's duel going over there. So that'll be interesting um, to see how that turns out. I don't have much else, Blummer. It's always good to get together with you. The kids are going to go to school next week. Um, Strong. I'm so pumped about that. And uh, maybe the podcast will get easier at that point, and then we'll have some more to discuss. <laughs> but uh I guess the longer the Astros stay in, the longer the uh, the podcast listeners will be uh, be tuning in, and I will see if Garrett Cole oh, can go far farther in the playoffs. So again, shout out to first responders and military around the world. 
um, protecting our freedoms. Um, no, you know, no time like the present, man. We're, we're super thankful, super grateful to be able to, uh, even in this crazy time of COVID and kids staying home and not going to work and all that stuff. But uh, we're super thankful to uh, be able to bring you guys this podcast and we know what's owed to, uh, to first responders. So that's all I got. That's all we need. Because all we got to do next is get after it. But most of all, everybody out there, believe it. <laughs>